Let's talk craft rooms today. Not so much the organizing, because you can watch anything and find a million ways to organize for your specific hobby. Let's talk decluttering craft rooms and how difficult that can be, and maybe some twists on how to think about what's in your craft room as a way to make the decision of of what to keep and what it's time to move on from, because that's one of the hardest places And for crafty people, it's one of the hardest things to let go. So let's dig in. Hey, welcome to Joy Loving Home, the podcast where we strive to plan our schedules and organize our homes while being intentionally flexible so that we can leave space in our lives for spontaneous joy. I'm Joy Reidenauer, professional organizer and flexible planning strategist. I have a heart for helping stay-at-home moms who feel overwhelmed and can't figure out where the time goes while their kids are at school. If you are ready to lean into your chaos and simplify your home, then you're in the right place. And don't worry, I know from experience that rigid schedules, daily habits, and strict routines don't work for you because they didn't work for me either. If you want to stay flexible, live in the moment, and prioritize the people in your life over the things, then I'm so glad you've joined me as we create a joy-loving home together. Okay, today we're digging into, uh, depends on which organizer you ask, but probably one of the top three most difficult places to organize in the organizing world. And some people are just built to be craft room organizers and some stay away from it uh, as far as they can get. So the big three are typically playrooms, craft rooms, and garages. Uh, throw basements in there. <laughs> um, shops would probably be another one. Guys, those are those are difficult places to organize as well. But anyway, today we're focusing on craft rooms and I wanted to kind of have this conversation. I was inspired because I was chatting with my mom who is incredibly crafty. She has done all the things at some point, uh, none of which have rubbed off on her daughter, unfortunately. She sews, she quilts, she knits, she cross-stitches, she, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting tons of things. She's amazing in the kitchen as well, but we're focusing on craft rooms. She has just recently downsized and I was helping her make some decisions on some things. And one of the frustrating things that she kept coming upon when we were trying to dig through some things was unfinished projects. Things that she bought with the full intention, the supplies to create some wonderful project, got partway through, either hit a hiccup or a frustration point or something happened where she had to lay it down and by the time she went back to pick it back up again, kind of had lost her flow or had, you know, had lost her place on where she wanted to be within the project or it was time sensitive because of a holiday and then the timing was too late because a lot of her things she gives as gifts and she just sort of abandoned them. So then when she circles back around, there's a lot of guilt associated with unfinished projects. So I was having a little pep talk with her and all of a sudden I was like, hey, I need to actually add this to a podcast because I don't think she is alone uh, in the unfinished craft space. And I think a lot of craft people are very similar. There is a few things going on with their mindset. One is 
Every little piece of anything can become useful. Scraps of paper for card makers and scrapbookers and artists and bits of yarn and leftover scraps of material can be turned into uh, wonderful projects and quilts and oh my gosh the the list is endless every single item loose buttons sequins beads uh I, I mean endless items can be turned into things in a creative crafting person's brain so to go through a craft craft room and go is this useful will you need this will you need this is an endless question because they don't even know what the next cool thing they want to work on could be and they hate to be wasteful. Um, so if I'm describing you and you can picture yourself in your craft room and it's gotten to the point where if I were to show you an individual item and you know it either brings you joy because that is your happy place or you can't possibly think of parting with it because you know you're just going to use it on that next cool project, individually taking one item at a time, there is a lot of joy brought to you. The problem is when you step into your craft room and all of those individual pieces are suddenly together and it just looks like chaos. You've lost your way a little bit with keeping your various hobbies sorted and organized because let's face it, creative people tend to be very multi-passionate. So you're not typically one to have one hobby alone. You may have a passion in the moment and it wanes, and you pick up another one, and it wanes, and it could be cyclical depending on the year. I know my mom prefers not to knit as much in the summer, but boy, it feels nice to have a knitted project on her lap in the winter, and so there are just seasons that come and go with creative people, multi-passionate people, and their hobbies. Thus, we end up with a very disjointed, difficult-to-organize craft room that is almost impossible to declutter because there is nothing that is not useful. Let's eliminate that question. Does it bring you joy? Does it, is it useful? Do you see yourself using this in the next three to six months? Have you used this in the last year? All of those are pointless questions when decluttering one's craft space or creative space. I want to propose a few new ways to think about things. In addition to those questions, the other one I almost forgot to mention is little by little craft and craft type hobbies are not that expensive when you're buying an item here, an item there. Collectively, when you step back and you look at your whole collection, you see that there was so much money that went into the hobby that you love. And so there's a lot of guilt associated with getting rid of anything, especially if you can figure out how to use it in a new way or with that next hobby. I know there are scrapbookers who became card makers and the paper is paper. I can use it in both projects or sewers who became quilters and me and those scraps of, of fabric suddenly can twist together, become something beautiful. So this effort to not be wasteful, this effort to not waste money that was spent, good money, um, makes it even more difficult to get rid of things, especially when you're running into these unfinished projects that I was describing at the beginning. There's so much resistance to getting rid of anything so that your brain can then breathe and function and 
think about the the hobby that actually brings you joy because you're stuck in the muck of the things that used to bring you joy or now now they actually just bring you guilt and I don't want any crafty hobbyist multi-passionate individual to have a space that is meant to bring them joy having that bring them guilt and frustration I want to throw a new twist on how to think about your space. Let's compare you to someone who is not crafty at all, but their hobby is going to museums and art shows, or their hobby is to take in ballet or the theater or just fun films or music concerts, or their hobby is traveling. And all of those great pursuits which are their hobbies, don't come with products at the end. They are just experiences. Society will tell us, oh, save your money for experiences. Don't waste your money on things. And so those type of hobbyists are elevated as being wiser and less wasteful and having the grander pursuit. And I don't think that's fair. I think that people who pursue whatever makes them happy, whether it be consumable or not consumable, should be treated as, you know, as equals in the sense that you shouldn't be shamed for something that that brings you enjoyment and you shouldn't be lauded for something that brings you enjoyment just because it doesn't have a product left behind at the end. A lot of creative hobbyists I know do their craft as a way to give them away to others. And that in and of itself also brings them joy and brings another joy. And so I don't think one should be made to feel guilty because their, their hobby is not, or is yet not consumable. So I asked my mom to look at the latest unfinished project that she had stumbled upon, which was a a really cool sort of 12 days of Christmas knitting kit that she had gotten. And I said, well, when you were doing the 12 days, were you having fun? And she's like, oh yes, I thought it was so neat. It was this new, new thing I hadn't stumbled upon before. And I had new yarns that came in the kit and I had new stitches I was learning. And I said, well, what, what made you stop? you know, where in the 12 days did you get? And she'd gotten all the way to day eight and it was a particularly difficult day and she messed up on the stitches and she tore it out once and she tried to start again and discovered she'd messed up again and she pulled it all out again and she tried again and then she got frustrated enough she just walked away. She let day nine pass, and on the 10th day of Christmas, when she was supposed to be doing this new set of stitches on this new yarn, she felt behind, and it added a little disappointment, and then she felt pressure to try and catch up, and then it was closer and closer to holidays, and she had other things she wanted to do and needed to do, and and so it got set aside. Now when she looks at it, she's like, well, I guess I need to pull it back out and try again, and I could hear there was no joy in the thought of trying to recreate this thing that had brought her joy last Christmas for seven whole days, a whole week's worth of excitement. Compare that to a week's worth of going to the ballet or a week's worth of movies or a one-week vacation. All of that would have brought a person joy. Um, Hers was probably far less expensive than thinking about doing 
those consumable gifts for seven days just because it stopped and there was an incomplete project shouldn't be a penalty against her having given herself credit for the fun that she did have. I mean, let's think about if you vacation for a hobby and you happen to have one bad trip where it didn't turn out like you liked and that place wasn't as fun as you hoped or you got there and you got sick and you didn't get to do all the things that you wanted to do. Does anybody shame you or make you feel guilt that you spent this money and it didn't turn out the way you wanted? I mean, a lot of this is to no fault of our own. You try to make the best of it and you move on. Or you saw the play that was kind of a dud. Or it was a musician that you weren't terribly impressed with. Or it was an art show you didn't quite understand. And those things are just still part of an experience. So I said to her, Mom, think about just giving yourself credit for seven days of real enjoyment for it's like a $35 kit. It's a pretty good deal. Let it go. Go ahead and get rid of it and move on. Give yourself a pat on the back for a whole week full of fun last Christmas and don't make yourself feel guilty when you wanted to try the new 12 days of Christmas project that's coming out this year that you might actually finish all the way through or you might not. It doesn't matter. So when you think about that and you stumble upon unfinished projects in your craft room, I want you to stop and say, did this in the moment give me some enjoyment? If it did, that craft brought you its point, which was to bring you happiness. It's time to go. Thank you for that gift. It's a very KonMari way of looking at things and to move on from it. And I know there's still guilt in the, but it is an item. It's an item that now I can't feel right about trashing. So what I'd like you to take a moment to do, maybe right after you're done listening to this podcast, I used to be a teacher in a lot of very underprivileged schools, and the thought of getting extra craft supplies for the art teacher that was in our school would have been such a gift. As a teacher, just getting some consumables that didn't have to be perfect, didn't have to be untouched, that I could send these kids home with, or I could let them make cards for their family, or let them just create, which is something we couldn't do a lot because our school didn't have as many funds to have these consumables. That's a huge gift. If you're a knitter and you can find a church where ladies knit for babies that are underprivileged or Afghans for homeless people, those are great gifts and they don't have to be a certain type of yarn or a certain color yarn. Take a moment, especially as we're leaning towards these holiday seasons, to say, is there a place that would actually appreciate my not-so-perfect, very creative items that are scraps of paper and scraps of fabric and bits of yarn and wool that somebody else would take some joy of making creations with them? It's a worthwhile way to say, these things are ready to move on from my space to another. And when you have been able to feel like you're giving to something good, Go through your space and let go. It's, it's time to go ahead and let go. Know that those items that aren't going to serve you anymore have every chance as a second life to serve someone else. I want you to congratulate yourself for having spent some money for your entertainment, your enjoyment, getting that entertainment and enjoyment out of it, and then move on. 
it's time to find a new source of enjoyment. And if you have a new hobby that you're passionate about, clear that space, make room for yourself to be able to really enjoy it to its fullest without sitting in a space that's full of guilty clutter all around you that you can't seem to part with. Trust me, you'll feel so much better about it and it will allow you to choose joy. I'm so glad you spent your time with me today. If you'd like to join an encouraging and judgment-free community of women just like you, please join us at bit.ly slash joylovinghomecommunity. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joylovinghomecommunity. I would love to interact with you there. You can also bless me and help other moms by rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen. It means the world to me if you have found value in these podcasts and by reviewing them, you help other women find me too. Also, don't hesitate to DM me on Instagram at joylovinghome. Love to hear from you. Or just email me. I'm joy at joylovinghome.com. Until next time, choose joy.